I'll ask uh, Andy to put up my scripture verses there and uh, we'll go from there. Number one, as we do, I, I wish I could cross every T and dot every I that, you know what I mean, when we enter into a, a thought line, uh, you know, uh, because it gets so deep, but then, you know what I mean, you'd miss a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know what I mean, and that, that, you know, we'll have to wait to cross the T's and dot some of the I's. <laughs> All right. Amen. Therefore, know that the Lord your God... Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. You know, God's really into it for a long haul, isn't he? I'll tell you, praise the Lord. I mean, you're going to be off the scene, I'm going to be off the scene, and he's still going to be on the scene. <laughs> Amen. He's on the scene, you know what I mean, with something rather amazing, you know, with mercy. You know, yeah, just reaching out to us and, 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 and tells us that the accessibility, of course, is through the cross of Jesus Christ. One of my favorites and everyone's favorite is you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have enemies, activities in life, you know, uh, enemies of, your, of the whole of life, spirit, soul, and body. But God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to anoint your head. Oh, hallelujah. Where? In the presence of your enemies. And I just soon get rid of the enemies, but I don't want to be without the anointing. <laughs> I'm going to give you a measure that, irrespective of the enemy, what's going on, it'll be greater. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Who's got the advantage there? The anointed one. Not the enemy. The one that's anointed. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why are you afraid of tomorrow? No matter what you're dealing with, and we all deal with something, humanity is pretty much the same. While the variables may be different, you know what I mean? The highs and the lows may have different levels, but the fact of the matter is, you know what I mean, that life is, you talk to one and somewhere along the way, we'll have been in that place to some degree. All right? But your tomorrow is filled with goodness and mercy in every one of them, all the days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have an invitation and also we have a destination. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. This is the Mount Everest of Scripture. Based upon this, everything that we talk about, all the promises, all the anointing, all the hope, all the anticipations, all the dreams, all the power, flows because of he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed thank you father for your word Thank you for the promises of God. Today I want to look at and just the best I can address some issues in life and to to find a hope, to find a strength, for what may have seemingly caused disappointment, shame, humiliation, where when you're expecting fruitfulness, you experience barrenness, whether it's widowhood or loss, disappointments, and sometimes the embarrassment of it, and even the expectations of it. Chapter 53 tells us of the sufferings of Christ, the Messiah. The end for which he dies, and the advantages resulting to mankind from this great event. Chapter 54 of Isaiah describes what is going to happen because of Isaiah 53. Because of the death and the provision of Jesus Christ. It talks about hope and restoration. It speaks of release from shame and disgrace and humiliation. Yes, it's a call to continue our spiritual journey. 
when Isaiah 54 opens up, it pictures how bleak the setting had been. And we could go into all the reasons why they felt the way they did and their own personal contributions that maybe had, you know, uh, lent themselves to their situation that they were in. But God seems to step in and say, you know, we're not going to dwell on that. We're going to dwell upon what Christ has done and the offspring of that work of God. The things that may have prevented in the past those disappointments or those fulfillment, excuse me, prevented fruitfulness in certain areas of life. Negative things that seem to have accompanied the journey and even things that have been passed down from previous generations. He gives the hope that they are no longer going to cause harm. Yes. He speaks to the fruitfulness of future generations starting then. Starting at Calvary. He talks about regardless what our background or past, God is trying to bring a new focus and new life into their walk. Don't be afraid. You will not be ashamed. Sometimes we don't want to move off center because of what we've experienced in the past. But Calvary is bringing us an assurance that things are different. Things are different. Someone has stepped in. He talks about God, how God wants to bring what has been a place of distress to a place of restoration, healing, and completion. Those lost years, so to speak, that Joel talked about. Those moments and those times that seem to in it, uh, disable us, so to speak. There is a truth that I want to share with you this morning as I move forward with this word and thought, which is, I believe is from the heart of God. And that is the title that I give my message this morning. Hold on to your fork. To those that might not know what that might mean and never heard someone say, 
keep your fork. But it's about having been at the table. And it would seem that the (coughs) dinner or the feast, the setting is over. And as the plates are being cleared off from, you know, the table, the host says, keep your fork. Keep your fork. And I believe that Jesus, through Calvary, is telling us, keep your fork. But I also believe that he's also telling us, hold on to your fork. Because there is that which is yet to be served on the table of the Lord. Do not let the presence of the enemy that is surrounding you and is capturing much of your day and your attention and your energy. No. There's an anointing that's coming to the table. Hallelujah. It's not the removal of the enemy. It's the power and the anointing, you know, to subdue the enemy. In John chapter 11, in a story that you're familiar with, Lazarus has died. And seemingly in the delay, there has already been, it's been written in the heart and mind of Mary and Martha. Their fork is gone. Jesus, speaking to her and them, said, Your brother will rise again. And as good believers and Christians, we always go, Hallelujah, yes, the Lord, praise God, Amen. When the resurrection happens, then this is going to, I'll get to experience it. It will be activated then. And of course, we know when we quote, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And we have a framework of that in our minds. Then he says, take away the stone. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? When 
does the resurrection power, when is it activated in the life of an individual? When you believe, when you believe, Calvary, the resurrection, becomes ours, and we activate it. You don't have to wait this morning for your body to die. No. It says, Jesus said, if you will believe, they were thinking they had to wait. And yes, there is a truth in that, of that body that's going to take place, the transformation But that power starts when we believe. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, praying that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. According to that which has been released, the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Woo! Because of Calvary. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we don't have to wait for it to get activated. For if you believe, you shall see the glory of the Lord. Power. The change. From barrenness to many children. The change from the shame of yesterday to the joy of tomorrow. For he was wounded for your transgressions. Anything that separated you, the sin has been dealt with and taken care of. In Jesus Christ. And Paul seems to, with urgency, I pray for your understanding. Now, these are believers, but there's more. There's more. You don't have to wait to activate (coughs) the benefits, the power of Jesus Christ. In your life. He begins to paint a picture for us. In Isaiah 54. 
to help us see. He said, the Lord speaks to you as to his wife. What had happened in this setting prior to this is, is that, you know, she was married when she was very young. And then she was rejected. And God says, that's not going to happen anymore. You are not going to be without a husband. And then, of course, you could go into all of the roles that a husband is to play. God says, because of Calvary, a relationship will be restored. He's saying that there will never become a divorce again. Calvary changes it. Calvary is the reason that that mercy will extend to a thousand generations. He's saying that the disappointments, the lack, and he uses the word childlessness, which would have been the most extreme state of sorrow and disappointment in that era. What? You don't have any kids? You must be cursed by God. That's right. That's what the, the theology of the day was. God's got something against you. I can't imagine how hurtful that must felt like in the lives of those women. But God says, that's not going to be the case anymore. He said, you're actually going to be more fruitful than you, those that, you know, just walk in the natural. Your shame, that which you've spoken about the future, that dream that you've went ahead and conveyed and has been delayed and it hasn't happened, all because of he's your husband. Yes, you're going to be rescued from your reproach because he's not only your husband he's your maker he's the one that spoke the universe into existence he's the one you know what I mean that formed you and made you He's the one that gave you the breath of life. 
Yes. He's more than just a husband. He has the power of the creator. And he is lifting that rod toward you, toward us this morning. And saying, if you believe, you shall see the glory of the Lord. There will be some resurrection dynamics that are going to take place. Because that is what happened in this situation. The idea is, is that he is the resurrection and he is the power. It is not limited to someone dying and being brought back to life, which happens many times in the foreign lands. But he's talking about that whatever has passed on and has become dead does not have to remain dead. Now, Don't let or don't give up your fork. God says there's more coming to the table. It may have been famine, but it is going to be feast. It may have been sorrow, but it is going to be joy. It may have been small, but it's going to be big. Oh, yes. He is the Lord of hosts. We must ask the question. And then find the answer. Who do you say that I am? Amen. Who right now, in your thinking and in your mind and in your heart, are you saying God is who Jesus is? Because he's the Christ. He's the Calvary. Thou art the Christ. Thou anointest my head with oil. He is the anointing. And there's no disconnect between that and the Holy Spirit in that sense of the word because we know the Holy Spirit is the one that's present. But Calvary released and believing activates the resurrection power. He says your restoration will exceed what would have been had there been no losses. Think about it. Calvary doesn't just make an even even playing field. Calvary guarantees that you win the Super Bowl. 
but it hangs on. If you can believe, if you can believe, I believe that there's a fork in the scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. Hold on. Hold on to the fork. Because the host has said there's more to come. It's not a rebuke. It's an invitation. It's a promise to never forsake her. You are not forsaken. But I feel forsaken, Pastor. He says this, for as the waters of Noah, for as like the waters of Noah to me, for I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Can you get it this morning? No matter what's happening in your life, God is not angry with you. No matter what, you know, has been on your table, it is not because God is angry with you. He said, I've got a commitment to this. And God makes himself a pledge. Though the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it. He gives the promise of Prosperity, and however you want to interpret that, you know, I'll leave that to you. But he addresses it and tells, Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with the tempest, not comforted. That's the state. And he's talking to that, if that is the state in your life this morning. If that is the, the state that circumstances, you know what I mean, have made you feel. That fork holds this. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and I will lay your foundations with sapphire. It's interesting that theologically, there are those that will go ahead and slide this off to Israel. And I believe that Israel is in the picture. But you know, when Paul used these same scriptures, he did not slide it off to Israel. 
He made an application that it belongs to the church or what we call the people of God. Yes, hallelujah. He gives a guarantee that your children shall be taught of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And great shall be the peace of your children. He goes on to say, in righteousness you will be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. It will not have the effect. There will be a perimeter. It'll always be on the outskirts. It never will get really near I don't know about you, when I, you know, obviously I'm a, I got kids, too. You know, it's not an overly big quiver, but you know what I mean? They filled it, so. Whenever the enemy was, it would seem like that he was getting too close. I would go ahead and I would take those passages of scriptures. The promises of God. Amen. And I didn't hold them up in God's face. I held them up in my faith's face. I wanted my faith to get it. Hallelujah. God's already got it. (laughs) Amen. He's not absent-minded. You know, his thoughts, they stick around as long as he wants them. Now, me and mine just, you know, if I don't say it right away, so if I talk fast sometimes, it's because it's going to be gone in a moment. (laughs) Oh, yes. Mom and Dad, don't give up your fork. When it comes to your family. No. Don't give up your fork when it comes to their salvation. He says they shall surely assemble. But not because of me. Oh. Don't blame God. He didn't do it. There is an enemy. They may have gathered, but God didn't send them. I do believe that God puts short leashes on them, though, according to verse 16. The next question is, With all of this, is are you willing to grow? Are you willing to grow your faith? Are you willing to grow your view and vision of God? 
Are you willing to bring the power of the resurrection into your present day circumstances? Rather than just keep it in a distance. God's ready to do some big things, he said in Isaiah 54, all because of Isaiah 53. Make room to grow. And as Doug said this morning, in, in that, from that men's thing, you know what I mean? You got to go to the well. You got to make room to grow. You got to enlarge your capacity. Yes. Be expandable. It's not your ability, it's your expandability. Stretch your commitment. Make landmark decisions like Joshua did. Serve me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm making a landmark decision. Job made a landmark decision. Though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Hallelujah. So much. Keep your fork. Because you shall spread on the right and the left. You shall expand. Let me give you some truths this morning as we wrap this up. When the waves of life's unfairness crashes your heart and you're tempted to give up, he says with loving kindness, he is going to have mercy on you. It's not going to be as bad as it looks. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. It's not going to have, you know, the, the, that end result that the devil is trying to go ahead and paint a picture before you. I'm going to have compassion when you wonder if he's the same as he was long ago. He tells us and reminds us just like the days of Noah when I made a decree that it shall never happen like that again. I make you a promise. It's always at the foot of the cross. Always at the foot of the cross. He said you need to create an atmosphere. Not only must you believe, but you must start singing about your belief. You are still barren, but start singing, you know what I mean? Like you are fruitful. Burst into song and shout for joy. Yeah. Sing. Sing a song in your heart. My musicians come today. 
when doubt is knocking at your front door. It's demanding a foothold. When it seems like you're in a downward spiral and when you're tired of the uphill climb. There are times when tears almost threaten to drown us. We have so many. When you just can't see and make sense of life at all, hold on to your fork. Faith, hope, and love. Everything changes. Promises are unleashed. Power is activated. Now. And then I saw something else this morning, or not this morning, this week, that I want to share with you. And as you deal with your prayers, as you deal with your dreams, as you deal with your expectation, as you deal with your ministries, how God's word works. The one that I hear most of the time and even the one that I speak about most of the time that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, more powerful, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it really is that too. It is all of that. So it's not, you know, that that is not truth. But I think that there's another element in how God's work, or God's word works that sometimes we need to go and employ and understand. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, he said his word is like rain and snow. It's like rain and snow. What does rain and snow do? It soaks into the ground and it seems to disappear. But all the while it's working quietly. It may be silently, but it's penetrating. It's softening and it's bringing new life gently. Hallelujah. It takes root in the human heart and begins to, you know, to, to, to produce fruit, little signs here and there. And I believe that is one arena of emphasis that God wants us to capture this morning. That His Word is not only sharper than any two-edged sword, 
sometimes it cuts off. Sometimes it's direct. Sometimes it dislodges. But so many times it's just saturating. It shall accomplish that which I have sent it for. It may be a soft penetration. It may be a lengthy process of things on thaw. Is how many know that when there's snow, there's generally <coughs> frost. And so there's got to be an unthawing sometimes. But as that snow melts, the frost goes down. I used to think it came out, it doesn't, it goes down. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe, you shall see. Not at the resurrection that Mary and them, you know, had the vision of, and it was a true vision. They just missed that Calvary, hallelujah, had went ahead and moved it up for living life. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Stand with me this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You may be surrounded by enemies, but there is a table with the anointing of Christ. Absolutely. I don't know about you this morning, but I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Hold on to that fork. Don't let the enemy make you give it up because the best is yet to come. All because of Isaiah 53. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. He's already authorized your peace. And by his stripes ye were healed. Wherever there is a lack or a need, his stripes have reached into it. Absolutely. Praise God. Give the Lord a praise. Sing a song. Hallelujah. Amen. It's turning around, Brandon. It's turning around. Glory to God. I'm not behind the promise. Amen. The maker of all the universe is behind the promise of the Lord. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Shame is going to turn to gladness and sorrow is going to turn to joy. But can I encourage you this morning to start singing before there is fruitfulness. Start singing, you know, before you see any results because that's what he said. Barren one, 
sing. Hallelujah. Sing. It's the ground that springs forth. Hallelujah. Because it's been softened by the word of God. And it's been planted by the word. And it brings. Listen. Maybe you're not there this morning. You know. Maybe that. You know what I mean. You can't quite reach it. You can't quite grasp it. You know. It's, it's, you almost feel like a prisoner. The good news is that he's going to continue to give mercy and kindness and gentleness. You know what I mean? And he's going to get you there. Hallelujah. So there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to start singing because he's going to get me there. He will get you there. Amen. At the foot of the cross. Father, thank you today. Thank you that your word, your word is like rain and like the snow, and it will accomplish. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's on the table of the Lord right now in the midst of our enemies. Thank you, Lord, for it. We bless and we praise and we sing in Jesus' name. Go with God. He is going to go with you. 